Welcome into another episode of the podcast, episode 21 of Cast the Podcast, and I'm your host, Ronnie Moore. Got to do kind of like an emergency one, a quick one, because we have a quick turnaround from St. Lawrence River to Lake Champlain for the Bassmaster Elite Series, and this will be the fourth Elite Series event of the regular season. We've had uh, three Elite Series events so far, St. John's River, Lake Eufaula, and the St. Lawrence River, and then we had the Bassmaster Classic wedged in between all of those at Lake Gunnersville before before. You know, I like to think of it, uh, 2020 is two different years. Uh, 2020 is pre-COVID and post-COVID, and the Classic was the last thing in the world pre-COVID. So uh kind of feels like it's been a long time since we've had events, so it was good to have an event last week at the St. Lawrence River. And this week for Lake Champlain, it's going to be an interesting tournament for sure. A well-balanced fishery, largemouth and smallmouth. They were both prevalent at the St. Lawrence River, but I don't think anyone ever believes that you can win off of just largemouth. So at Lake Champlain, I believe that that is not the thought. You can win on largemouth, um, and you can sprinkle in smallmouth, and then also you can win on smallmouth and maybe sprinkle in some largemouth too. So really diverse, uh, vast fishery at Lake Champlain. And I'm going to break down some fantasy fishing picks. And like most of the tournaments this year, Kyle Jesse joins me on our normal Wednesday recording before an event to give his fantasy picks. What's up, Kyle? What's up, man? I'm excited to do this. Uh, back-to-back events are always fun. Kind of you know, get in the uh, swing of things, the first event, and then get to do it right over again. So I'm excited for it, especially on a lake like Champlain. Yeah, Lake Champlain is one that we've been to a couple times uh, early on the Elite Series. I think back in like 2006, the first year, Denny Brower won. Um, Then we've got the Timmy Horton event and whatnot where he's uh, ordering pizza, pizza at the dock, you know, that iconic <laughs> that iconic offshore spot he had at uh, down in Ticonderoga. And basically since then, I just don't feel like Ticonderoga has factored nearly as much as up in that Plattsburgh region. Um, the Plattsburgh region is where we take off from, but we've seen you can catch largemouth just north of there in Missaquoi. You can catch them on the rocks, you know, where all those blow-throughs are, and then you have smallmouth right there to your disposal. So no need to make that huge risk sometimes like like the guys do when they run down to tie. Certain times a year, definitely, but the conditions out on you follow, uh, it's about – a few feet low, you know, it's, I don't know exactly the number, maybe two to four feet low, just depends, but I found out that basically it's two to four feet low because the winter wasn't nearly as harsh in New York as it usually is, and there wasn't as much snow that melts off, that drains into the lake, which keeps the lake higher, so not as much snow melt, and with 90 to 100 degree days over the last couple of weeks, um, the evaporation factor definitely sets in at Champlain. So going to be a little bit different. The water down there, when you find them in Ticonderoga, you're going to find them in the same spot. You're not going to just catch them all over the place. If you find them, you'll find them grouped up in a place because the water's low. And so they're going to, they're going to all move out to a similar spot. And then up North though, the, the smallmouth should be done spawning. Uh, the spawns normally that late June, you know, or, or, all the way throughout June, it seems, but it seems like it's the tail end of it is around that late June uh, region. And so it's been a month of post spawn. Those smallmouth should be where they're going to be and grouped up there as well. So 
we're going to see a lot of different baits come into play, some drop shot and some Ned rig and things like that. But I also think we'll see some power fishing as well. Some guys maybe being able to throw some top water around, being able to throw a jerk bait. But it should really be a fun event. Those largemouth guys that do target it, we should see some frogging and flipping, uh, maybe some chatterbait and things like that. But it should be um, really fun to watch on Bassmaster Live, which you'll be able to do for four days on ESPN2. Um, the times will always be determined uh, you know, maybe leading up to the event, but we should be on ESPN2 all day on Thursday, and then we should do it uh, for three to four hours the last three days of the event. So it'll be good there. You can always catch it on Bassmaster.com as well. So let's get right into the fantasy picks, Kyle, and it's kind of hard. We came off the St. Lawrence River, and it was kind of like a chalk event. You had you had a bunch of those up north guys, and they were all in different buckets. You had the Johnstons down in the lower buckets because they had struggled at the St. John's and Eufaula. And then you've got um, some of those guys like Polinick, like a fighter, like a Zaldane. They were all grouped up in very similar buckets as well. So it was, uh, it was easy to have a stacked lineup. And this week it just seems like it's all over the map because largemouth can factor so much. And you don't know if a guy's going to run down there. You're just kind of basing it off of what he might find based on his style. It's kind of really thrown a wrench into some things on on making it a little the, – the picks should definitely be more diverse than what we saw uh, at the St. Lawrence River. Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, you know, Ronnie just mentioned the St. Lawrence River. You, you naturally just go down the list every single bucket and you just try to pick out – the you know the most notable smallmouth guy you can think of hence the reason the johnstons were picked so heavily and um you know like he said the zeldanes and uh polonics and mullers i mean the list goes on and on but this week at champlain it's just so unique because you can literally make a case for pretty much any angler in any bucket just based on their strength as a smallmouth fisherman their strength as a largemouth fisherman um you know a lot of the guys fishing grass i mean you can make you know statements that you know guys that fish grass in florida or you know wherever it may be could even have a if you're good at flipping you're good at flipping right you know regardless what state it is so um i've always said this this is one of my bucket list lakes for what it's worth to fish purely based on that is the fact that you know largemouth and smallmouth can play equally and i think it just makes for like ronnie said just a really diverse event i think that it's also hard to tell like there's some guys who might have gotten bit by smallmouth last week that may come into champlain like you know what? Screw it. I can't deal with smallmouth leaving me again. I'm going to just go in on largemouth and you don't expect it. And it's also a little different. No current here. The only kind of maybe positioning these fish have is if there's a wind from a specific direction that would push them to one side of the bridge or another or the rock pile they might set up differently. Um, And so that's the biggest thing is wind direction and the amount of wind will be big at Champlain, whereas the St. Lawrence River is naturally it has current and you drift around here it's more like you find boulders and you can drop straight down on them or you can cast to them with a top water if they're shallow enough but i'd really expect to see a lot of depths come into play i don't think they're all going to be in 30 to 35 feet of water i think there'll be some people catching them in 10 to 15 um, and then those guys who are shallow that might go into missacoy bay for largemouth or they make the run to tie um it's definitely going to be interesting so let's get into bucket a uh and who those picks are. And to be honest, I haven't struggled with a bucket 
like bucket A in so long. I, I just have no idea where to go from there. I don't know. I don't know if Paul Mueller can will catch him there. I feel like it sets up good for Paul Mueller, but I, I don't know if people are picking him a lot because he almost won the last event. He's at twenty one percent. That's that's just a tough percentage for an unknown. I'm not sure about that. Uh, Jamie Hartman twenty three percent. He's a New York boy. He's been up there for the last month or two, uh, fishing around, but. Um, I don't know. He hasn't had the best finishes. He's had some good finishes in the opens, but last time we were here with the elites, it was a three-day event. He finished 38th place. So be interesting to see. We'll get to watch him on live tomorrow, though. He's the he's the New York favorite, and we'll get to watch him. But uh, with all that being said, there's two guys there that are gobbling up 20% of the stuff, and then you've got Brandon Polinick with another 20% down at the bottom, and that's 60% or so with three guys. And I'm really – I don't know. I'm really not sold in on on any specific pick. I may switch it up, but I've got Patrick Walters right now. And and it took me a little while to say that. It took me a little while because I literally have not locked in my lineup for to, for the last day and a half because of bucket A. I'm I'm not quite sure who to go with. Subject to change. Yeah, it it <laughs> seems like it's really easy. Oh, you could pick a Mueller, a Hartman or a Polinick and go fine. Oh, what about a Winlet? Oh, maybe a Pipkins. Oh, um, you know, Michael Fraser's great. Drew Benton could fish grass. Scott Canterbury. And you're like, "Oh my gosh, now there's 15 dudes." I think a Patrick Walters um uh, We'll keep them both honest. He's not afraid of making those runs. He's not afraid of fishing for smallmouth. I think that he'll keep those uh, all aspects of Champlain honest. And so he's going to be my pick at 0.6%. But I will say, I woke up in the middle of the night. Weirdest thing ever. Woke up in the middle of the night. Uh, I think it might have been Sunday night into Monday morning. I woke up and said, Cliff Prince might freaking catch him this week. He's done great with the last couple smallmouth events we've had. St. Clair, he was in the top five, I think. St. Lawrence, he had a top 20, I believe, last week. And then you've got the grass aspect. Like, Cliff Prince is rolling it along, and he's in bucket A. I, this could be a good one for him. This could really be a good one for him if he wanted to go go in on largemouth or something like that. I don't know how many people make that run. I know that uh, I know that he could be one of those guys possibly. So those are my two picks for that bucket. I might flip between those two, but Patrick Walters and Cliff Prince, both lowly owned, 0.6%, 0.1%. Obviously, there's reasons why that is, but uh, I'm just going to stop tripping over my words and give it to you, Kyle, because I, I still have – I don't know. I just feel like those two guys are going to be well balanced, and and I feel like, I feel like a guy like Mueller, Hartman, and Polinick may try to go for the win too much. So, like you know, like this is the one like putting pressure on themselves to win, and it just might not vibe like they think or the preconceived notions. And, and it doesn't make me feel great that I click on Cliff Prince and the last time he was here he finished 106. But you know, that's I'm just gonna <laughs> sure. say that. So who knows about that? Um, but those two guys, I think Walters and Prince, they're going to be my two picks and I'll have to figure out which one, but I have Walters locked in right now. So I like a word you used earlier was, was balanced. I think that was, that's kind of my thought process when I was picking and some of my picks don't reflect that they're really heavy one way or another, like smallmouth, largemouth fishermen, you know, typically. Um, but with that being said, I went with Drew Benton, um, for that reason. I think obviously, uh, you know, Plenty familiar with grass, fishing for largemouth. I think he could easily do that. Um, but also a guy that, you know, has 
you know, has enough experience fishing for smallmouth that, you know, if you can mix up the two, like in my head, if I can pick a guy that I think, you know, logically could do both or to do well either way, largemouth or smallmouth, um, I think that's going to be a guy that's, you know, a good pick just because he might have both to go off of. He might, you know, really, you know, have one versus the other. But ultimately, I think, you know, over three days of practice, you'd figure out one of the, you know, of the two, if that makes sense. And, and with, with the conditions at Champlain, I feel like this is just me, never fished a tournament on Champlain, but I feel like looking at the results of the one day event for the Champlain event on Saturday, it took 26 pounds for six fish, six fish, 26 pounds. And it, the big fish was six pounds. So I'm assuming that's a large mouth. Assuming it's a large mouth, it was won by Brian LaBelle, and he won an open there in past year. So I feel like if you can find a good largemouth, I don't know if you can make them last four days. Sure. Because the water's low, they are going to be in tight areas. You can't just go fishing down there and find you know fish every every 50 yards. They're going to be in specific spots, and if you don't have three, of those, three or four of those spots to yourself, it's going to be hard to make those last. So I'd expect like a literally 15 – you know, 13 to 15 smallmouth, 13 to 15 smallmouth, um, and five to seven largemouth to win the event. You know, I, I feel like, and so some of those, it could be a mixed bag each day. It could be a guy who catches a limit of smallmouth and goes and catches one largemouth kicker each day, or a guy who goes and catches a giant bag of largemouth one day and then goes and catches three or four more and then has to fill it out with a smallmouth or coals out or whatever. Right. Um, so I feel like that, that, and that Ticonderoga largemouth deal is weather dependent too. Like, do you want to make that hour and 15 minute run, hour and 20 minute run, uh, if weather strikes up? So that's the conditions. I mean, largemouth should factor. I just think that smallmouth are going to be more prevalent, easier to catch, more plentiful. And I think that they are enough post spawn that they're starting to get back to size as we expect. So bucket B, I want to see who your picks are there. I, I went with mine first. So please, please, dear Lord, you divulge your picks now. <laughs> okay. So, so Ronnie was, I, we never made this rule before we started this, but Ronnie was allowed to pick two people in bucket A. I'm going to pick two people <laughs> in bucket B because I have uh, kind of the same thing going on in my head. Okay. So right now I actually have Chris Selden pick. That's probably who I'll likely end up sticking with. Um, higher percentage, Typically, like we spoke about last um, um, podcast, that's we try to get away from that a lot of times. Um, with that being said, I just think every time I overlook Chris Aldane in a tournament that I think he'll do well, he typically does well, and I feel stupid for not actually picking him. Um, kind of the same logic there. I mean, guy you would think you know would probably do the smallmouth deal, but I mean, at the same point, one of the best smallmouth fishermen on the planet, uh, but at the same point is – you know, a, you know, statistically, in largemouth tournaments, does just as well. So I mean, it's kind of hard to argue, like Ronnie was saying, if you caught majority smallmouth, but then every day or you know at least a couple of days were able to manufacture some big largemouth bites. I think that's a guy that could do that. Um, basically, that exact logic that you'd use with what could. Um, you know, win the tournament. I think that he's capable of doing that. So uh, that's why I'm going with Chris Eldane. But also, okay, so my second pick, like I said, it's not who I actually have. Um, but based on something you just said a second ago, that same, you know, train of thought, hard not to think of a guy like Brock Mosley, purely based on the fact that that's what he just accomplished. <laughs> 
on the St. Lawrence River. Now, granted, it was the opposite scenario where he was catching all largemouth or mostly largemouth, and then like day one, and I think pretty much every day he mixed in smallmouth, but yeah, especially two day of one. them called for sure. Yeah. yeah, but day one, I know he caught a couple big smallmouth that uh, you know that he weighed in, and you know a guy like that that could do both, um, you know, could definitely factor in. But those are and, those and are my picks. I you guess. never can know how long the baby luck factor will will last with an angler whether right. it's one event and it's the week that they're born <laughs> yeah, or if it could be the whole swing it could be the, the whole season. season you just don't you know. really don't know but now we joke with that congratulations to brock and leslie on uh on their their second child but those are interesting picks and and it's really hard you mentioned it hey Zaldane's at 18%. That's a solid percentage. It's not too high, and it's also not too high because it's not the highest percentage in the bucket. It's the second highest percentage in the bucket because Seth Fighter at 44% is dominating this bucket, and rightfully so. When someone posts a photo and it's uh, my rod for the week and it's just a jig, and he's done there, he's almost won at Champlain in the past, flipping grass and whatnot. Uh, Man, you'd have to imagine that that's what he's going to sell out and try to do. Fighter's a great angler, but I know grass grows different every year. And I talked to Brian Schmidt about this in a, in a Skype video. I said, hey, how do you stay consistent on grass lakes when grass grows back different every year, unlike a rock lake, like I mentioned with Fighter, like a Malax. Fighter knows where every boulder is on Malax and knows where fish will go during times of year. When it comes to grass, it grows back different every year. So the grass that Fighter's looking for may be there, it may not be there, especially in the same areas. And so if it didn't grow, maybe it's maybe it's even higher. You know, we mentioned it maybe a mild winter, a hotter summer. That grass might be thicker. It might not be the right mixture. The depth lines might be skewed. It might be a little fuzzier on the lines, not a straight hard line that he wants when he's flipping or something. So you just don't know if they found that key thing. And for a guy like Fighter who is very balanced, smallmouth and largemouth in his repertoire, he can do both very well and is deadly with both. I feel like it's hard to go in on one thing. Like he he thought I'm gonna win Cayuga, finishes fifth, doing exactly what he thought. But it was a little different, and I feel like he doesn't have any regrets. But I feel like he also might set something to the side and be like, if this doesn't happen, what am I gonna do? Mm-hmm. What if what if it's not like I wanted to be at Champlain? So that all is being said to for the 44 percent of the people who are all out on fighter. It's a good pick, very good pick. He's probably got a baseline top 30 finish in his you know he's going to finish top 30 but you're wanting to pick the best guy possible and um and so with my pick i i stayed away from fighter we're going to see him on live and i can't wait to regret it day one when we watch him catch him on live but uh i'm going with austin felix and that's a guy who lives down the street from fighter in minnesota austin's had a great track record on champlain uh it's a place that he really seems to vibe with very well he's a great sight fisherman for smallmouth and even though that's well gone and done in past years where there may be like not as many on the bed he's been able to find where those fish are on the bed last and that might be important on where they go next if he can still find hey there's smallmouth on this flat in seven to ten feet of water and i can see him on my flogger maybe in a month they will move out to these, this edge, those boulders, 15 foot, and that's where they're going to be. Um, so I feel like Felix will be one who can really go all in on that smallmouth. 
but be able to go and pick off a largemouth if he needed to. And I think that's the recipe for success. I think that you, it's hard to get well-balanced rosters for fantasy fishing without knowing something in your mind of what might happen. So I'm going with Felix there, 2%. I'll take that all day long, just like my milk. 2% for Austin Felix, a great value. <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, a great value there for Felix. Because he's unknown, he's a rookie, um, this will be his first time on camera as well on Bass Live, so I'll get the kiss of death there watching. If uh, if fighters catch him and Felix is not, I'm like, man, I don't just delete this podcast episode. You know, why not? So that's my bucket B pick, and I, re- I don't really have a backup pick. I've thought I've got two guys before Champlain started that I'm going to pick no matter who's in their bucket. That I just prayed that they weren't in the same bucket, and they are not in the same bucket. So Felix is one of those. I think that he's, he's going to be a really – great value pick if we can talk about great values he's going to be a great value pick going over to bucket c i'm kind of torn because i feel like a john cox or a hank cherry could catch him this week john cox may be large mouthing um you know how he does doing that stuff and so we'll be able to see him on live like going down there maybe making the run to tie or maybe making the run to miss a koi like fishing for largemouth if he's got any largemouth up his sleeve we can see him come out on day one and then he rides that momentum to day two day three and he figures it out but if you can catch i don't know if you can catch 25 pounds of smallmouth right now but you could catch 25 pounds of largemouth. And if you do that, it can, it's almost like a bag and a quarter. And it, and it right. helps you have a down day as you adjust and figure out what you need to do. So a guy like Cox is going to be a great pick. 10% owned there. But I'm not going to pick him. So uh, I'll be the smartest yet dumb guy ever if all these secondary picks that I'm saying, Cliff Prince, Seth Fighter, John Cox, if they do it, I'm going to be the biggest idiot. Like I'm going to have my Ronnie's what if – what if uh, – team but i'm gonna go with carl jockamson and i feel like champlain could be one that's that he knows enough that he doesn't have to take a risk um he's got some small mouth and some large mouth memories there he's got some swim bait fish there which carl if for some reason you're listening to this just don't die with the swim bait. <laughs> just don't die with the swim bait on me. That's why I think that um, Carl could really have some magic, and he's seen that. He had a shot to win this Open, uh, the most recent Open we've had at Champlain. I think in the last 20 minutes of the day, he pulls up to a place and catches a five and a six on a swim bait and heads to weigh in, and then he jumped up into the top three and had a shot to win going in the final day. I think that's an incredible testament to patience and putting the right bait at the right time. But I think that Carl could – I think he's matured since then, and I I feel like he could get his footing here. Um, it's hard when you see Carl do well. You're like, oh, I'm going to pick him again because it's just fun to root for him. But then he, then he might have an off tournament. So I'm going to do the opposite. And because he didn't have the greatest tournament at the St. Lawrence, I'm going to pick him to rebound at Champlain. And I think that Champlain's more of his, his comfort zone, I feel like, than a St. Lawrence would be. So Carl Jockamson's my pick there. A little scary, but you got to take a little risk. And my, if my risk is only going to be owned by 2% of the guys, then um, I'm fine with that. Take it. Yeah. If there was a risk of a guy like 30% or something like that, like not saying that Johnston boys won't catch them, but 35% and 20%, they're, 
I don't feel like they're as sure of a thing at the Champlain as they are at the St. Lawrence in Ontario. So that's why I just don't know. And that might, they might be a sure thing. I just don't know that they're a sure thing. So I can't pick them for myself. But if you know that back home and you're listening, pick them by all means. Jack that percentage up. So for me in bucket C, um, I was not as hesitant as Ronnie to pick uh, John Cox because I picked him. <laughs> that's who I'm picking. Um, so typically one thing I hate doing and Ronnie and I talked about this uh, on the way to lunch earlier, was picking guys that are going to be on camera day one especially because you either get to see your fantasy team die like live while it's happening. I mean, it, it can go well, um, and you can, you know, your guys can catch them well, and you're sitting there bragging to everybody else about you picked this guy, but it can easily go the opposite direction as well. Um, John Cox will be on camera tomorrow as well as – three of the five guys that I picked. <laughs> so How many cameras do we have out there? Yeah. So it's going to be uh, tricky to watch that. Uh, with that being said, I think Ronnie's logic was, you know, just to save some time, was pretty spot on with the whole logic that I used. Um, I think John Cox will figure the largemouth out. think that, you know, he could easily be one of those guys that runs the tie and, and catches him up. And like Ronnie said, it, it just – John Cox is the kind of guy, like in tournaments like these, or just really any tournaments, that can bust a really big bag in one day. Um, it, just because you've seen it a lot. And that's not to say he won't ride that consistency. But like Ronnie said, if you can have one really big day and then still catch, um, you know, consistent weight after that, you know, on a tournament or a, a lake like Champlain where likely there'll be some stacked weights going on, I mean, chances are, I mean, John Cox will be able to be, figure him out. It's just. John Cox doing John Cox things. Like the know? last time we were at Champlain, Aaron Martins came back and won. He was 19th after after two days of competition and was only three pounds behind. It was right. a three-day event, I mean, but he came back from three pounds down, but he was 19th place. So that's what – when you're talking about yeah, stacked weights, that's stacked the, weights. I feel like it's it's hard to jump over – like get over the hill there, if that makes sense. Like get, climb over the mountain of, uh, you know, whatever the weights will be. But it's hard to distance yourself, so to speak. Well, I'm going to go ahead and put you on the spot again then for Bucket D because I like that pick. And we're going to have similar teams, uh, it seems, already, like at least the logic behind it. But there's obviously in Bucket D, there's going to be some questions to answer um, regarding the percentages of some of these guys and if they're going to be trustworthy or not because there's a lot of guys less than 1%, and then there's three main guys that are taking the percentages in this bucket. Yeah, and, and you know, they're – it's not to say that anybody's not justifiable to have a high percentage, um, but you look at a guy, and, and Ronnie will further this you know, logic more than I will, I know, but uh, a guy like Brian Schmidt, obviously heavy on percentage, but I mean, won the 2016, uh, it was a Eastern Open, I guess it would have been, Eastern Open up there, um, and a guy that just typically in the northeast part of the country whatever region you know wherever you want to cut that region off i mean is extremely extremely successful um just for a lot of different reasons i feel like especially with the grass and like ronnie was mentioning earlier already kind of like um you know mentioned it was that brian schmidt is a phenomenal grass fisherman and somebody that at champlain um even though that was several years ago i mean you think we'll figure them out you know we'll be able to continue success there there are there's guys you know like a, a matt airy at beaver lake you know somebody who just it just yeah it just you clicks. don't know why you know we don't have crazy bluffy rock yeah. places in north yeah. carolina uh yet beaver lake is where matt airy's had a lot of you just don't know 
why Champlain vibes with somebody like Brian Schmidt. But Brian Schmidt is uh, – if there's a blade of grass that grows in a fishery north of North Carolina, Brian Schmidt's probably a favorite. Sure. Um, and so I think that when it comes to uh, James River, Potomac, Chesapeake Bay, all those title places, for sure – money-making spots for Brian Schmidt, but Champlain is one of those ones that just – when he, he even said it in an interview, like, when I get there, it just feels right. And I, and I don't know why. It's just I, I connect the dots. If, if, if they bite here, they'll bite there. If they bite there, they won't bite here. You know? And he just knows where to go. And so if Brian Schmidt's your pick, is that your pick? It is. Yeah, I didn't say that. Yeah, he is my pick, yes. Well, Brian Schmidt's my pick as well, and, and he was one of my two for sure things. Brian Schmidt, Austin Felix, I said, hey, I hope they're not in the same bucket because I'm going to pick them. Um, When it comes to big water like that, a back-to-back scenario, some guys that have never been there before on the elites are going to be pressing. They're going to be pushing it from St. Lawrence to get there. They're going to start practicing. They're just going to be – their boat's going to be a mess like mine looks right now. It's (laughs) going to be so disheveled. They can go a little slower. They can, they can come off the water a little earlier. They can get some rest. They can eat some food. They can do these different things through practice because they know the place, and at least they know the regions to go poke around and look. It's not sure. like they know like the exact piece of grass. They just know I've got three days of practice, and I've got four areas that I need to go check. Let's go game plan and do it. And I think that that's from a lot of great success and then also just instinctual decisions in tournaments that helps you expand, and you're like, man, that area – it's way better than I thought it was, that kind of thing. So Schmidt is my for sure pick there. I think if you're looking down the list and you want to look for somebody who's not owned highly, like Greg DePalma is 42%. Like I love Greg. Uh, that's high. That's super high. That's yeah. high. And, and, I don't, and, it, and it's high for me not remembering if he's had a huge event there. Now I'm going to pull up his angler page real quick, and hopefully it loads fast enough. But I'm, I'm like you. I'm curious to like, know myself. Like the, I know that he's fished the Opens. Uh, when we've had him there in the past. And so I'm going to scroll down. He wasn't on the elites when we went there the last time. So I'm going to scroll down and check out to see where he finished in 2016. And, and probably he might've fished the 2018 open as well. So I'm just going to scroll it's, down it's and look at Champlain. Those things too. We always, we always preference, um, you know, guys that have done well fishing a place and, you know, ultimately just having a, uh, having experience there even if it was negative experience like the more you fish the place like likely the more you're going to learn um it's one of those things you kind of got to look into i mean i don't like ronnie said i just don't remember off the top of my head De palma having some knockout event there but i mean you know who knows he might have finished second in that open i really don't know what's crazy is i'm going all the way back and i'm just going to just i keep looking for plattsburgh and i'm just going to read it off and this isn't hey greg i love you I'm just reading stats. <laughs> From 2006, he finished 84th. Then we're going to scroll up, and he finished 136th in 2009. Finished 110th in 2010. Finished, where is it at? Finished 110th in 2014. Then we keep going up a little bit more. He finished 125th in 2016. So up to that point, for the Opens, 200-boat field, Hadn't cracked the, or he had cracked the top 100 once, and that's tough. Like we said, stacked weights. You could have the same weight you had the year prior and finish 30 spots less because sure. of the way that it fishes and whatnot. But his most recent finish in in Eastern Open is is 2018 at Champlain, finished fifth. So heck of a week for him there. Finished fifth, and I think Brian Labelle won that one. 
Um, so fifth at Champlain in 2018, uh, and that was that was his most recent recent finish there. So hey, rightfully so. If you if you looked at Greg DePaul's page, <laughs> you scrolled down statistics. and saw if you scrolled down and yeah. saw fifth at Champlain and said setting him in the lineup. Fair enough. Good for you. Fair Just enough. wanted to throw out there that it was a little tougher on him uh, prior to that. So he might have matured, might have grown, might have literally figured something out that year that he had missed all the other years. So um, Greg DePalm was a high percentage pick there. Uh, a Gerald Swindle's high, uh, 16% or so right there with Schmidt. That's a solid number. Um, not too high, not too low. But I think it's something that you need to keep an eye on for sure is those percentages. And 17% for Brian Schmidt. Brian Schmidt is – Okay, I'm going to put it like in a little analogy. Brian Schmidt is to Lake Champlain like the Johnston brothers are to the St. Lawrence River. I think that's the best analogy you could put up with it. Like, I think that's fair. So the fact that he's not 50%, yeah. I'm putting him on my team 1 million times yeah, 100%. over. Yeah, I mean 17.5%, you know, normal standards would be like relatively high. But yeah, like you said, as to how good he is on Champlain and in places like Champlain, uh, it seems even lower than you would expect, really. I saw the Angler of the Year standings, and I saw that Schmidt didn't have the best event at the St. Lawrence, so he stayed in bucket D. And uh, <laughs> so I immediately, when I set my fantasy fishing lineup, you know, you go A, B, C, D, E. I went straight to bucket D <laughs> yeah, and looked, and I was like, Lord, 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 don't let him be at 60% because I'm going to pick him no matter what. 17% like, all day, baby. Buckets. Done. I've never Take felt – if he finishes dead last, no regrets. 100% feel good about and, that. And <laughs> if Greg DePalma wins the event, he'll have us to thank for speculating 42%. Exactly. <laughs> and, and we will realize that y'all at home that listen to this podcast know more than the people talking on the podcast. So congratulations. There it is. So bucket E, I'm going to go there. Uh, you picked Brian Schmidt. We both did in bucket D. I'm very, very happy with that pick. Um, when it gets to bucket E, how many weeks, Kyle, how many weeks can we pick Lee Livesey and – and not not or hey hey he's gonna beat me down on his way back to Texas if if this is, but for real I've seen so many people who like picking bucket E and they're like Lee Livesey I love I know his name he's a hammer I'm gonna pick him it's not been his best year so you either pick him every week and say I don't care I'm picking him every week until he catches him for me one time and then I know he can catch him or you just stay away from him until he catches him, and then you're like, okay, he's got his mojo back. So 38% of the people picking Lee Livesey, um, that's tough. That's a big percentage. That's a big percentage. Um, there's other people in this list that I think that should be considered. Derek Hudnall uh, in the opens there, he's, he's, been, he's been good. He's been one that's targeted smallmouth. He's been one that has practiced and had a great practice for largemouth, but didn't want to make that run, things like that. Um, that's at least from the past. So possibility there. Rick Clun fished the sh- – well, you could say this about any lake. Rick Clun has fished it, <laughs> yeah. fished it more than anyone else in the elites, but Rick Clun has fished <laughs> has fished the uh, Lake Champlain. Him and Fritz are the two highest people who fish Champlain there. But I'm going to go with some uh, – Naive young guy. I'm going to go with a naive young guy. And I'm going to go with Tyler Rivette. Uh, 0.3%. People are like, well, okay, why Tyler Rivette? I feel like Rivette isn't the biggest fan of smallmouth anymore. <laughs> and he's gotten burned a couple events doing smallmouth. It's obviously different for a South Louisiana angler to figure out smallmouth, you know, in the middle of Elite Series competition. Yeah. Let's just put it there like, oh, I got to make a check against the best in the world. Uh, 
in a 57 feet of water. We don't have 57 feet of water at Toledo Bend. That's the only place. <laughs> yeah. So what am I supposed to do? So I feel like this week, after, after having a tougher event at, at St. Lawrence, smallmouth betraying him, I feel like he's gonna rather he'd rather have braid on three or four rods and go frog and flip and be finish his New York swing the way he wants. And I feel like he is wise enough to stick to his guns, but also naive enough to make that run every day. That's my thing. I think that some guys would be like, I'm gonna make it one day and then we'll play it by year. And he's like, I'm going no matter what. Fifty foot waves, whatever, I'm going. And so I feel like Ravette could be one that could make largemouth work and, and I could see him catching 15 largemouth, you know, after three days of competition and seeing where it lays and see if he makes the final day or not. So I'm going with Rivette, and, and man, looking at my lineup overall, I got 2%, uh, 1%, 2%, 1%, 17%. So I have not picked, last week was the chalk week. This week I pulled the eraser out and I took all the chalk off the board. No chalk here except for Except for Brian Schmidt, so who'd you who'd Fair you enough. pick for the Bucket E? Which is tough because Bucket E is is the guys who haven't performed this year on the elites and the in the standings. That's tough for them. It's tough to say, but you know you're not going to live in Bucket E all year. Someone's going to move up, and you got to just find the guy who's going to catch him that week. So um, I wish this was one that I would have been able to start as far as my pick first because I actually did pick Derek Hudnall. Um, I swear we have not talked about this. Ronnie nope. and I have not discussed this whatsoever. A um, couple of reasons why. Um, kind of the same logic that I've used for a few picks. Uh, guys that you feel like could do both. Mix, you know, mix in both smallmouth and largemouth. Um, Derek is a good smallmouth fisherman. I mean, you saw it last week. He had a good, you know, good first day. Uh, struggled the second day. It was second or third day? Sorry. Second day. Okay, yeah. Um, struggled the second day. You know, I mean... That's going to happen no matter how long you do this. You're going to have that. Um, so don't be disguised by that. I mean, he's, he can definitely hang in there with smallmouth. Um, but also being a Louisiana guy, you know, being able to fish grass as well, mix in, like you said, uh, you know, mix in largemouth and, you know, kind of be able to do both. I feel like he's a guy that could, you know, figure out a little bit of both or, you know, could really go full-fledged on either or. So uh, Derek Hudnall was going to be my pick, and I think he's probably mad at him right now based on how uh, how the last event turned out. Um, obviously, it was a frustrating event for him um, after what, landing in 10th, I believe, the, after the first day, um, and dropping quite a bit, I know. But like I said, I like Derek Hudnall to bounce back in this tournament, um, and I think, I think we're going to see that. Well, and I think that one thing that's different – for Champlain than the St. Lawrence River is when you have two fish on day two and you're struggling, what are you going to do? You're going to go run and catch largemouth at St. Lawrence when you're not, when you can't win with largemouth. Right. That's like you're, you're in position to win after day one. You're right there. Let me just keep it going. When it doesn't go well, am I going to go lay up and like catch fish that aren't even going to be able to win me the event? Or what do you do there? Whereas at Champlain, if he catches 20, starts to struggle, you can, yeah, yeah, you're not laying up. You can go win with largemouth. So it's it's more confidence in running to largemouth if as a backup plan, if smallmouth don't pan out on you, but you know, deep in your heart, smallmouth are consistent, but when they elude you and they, they move because the wind changed or because of local pressure or other elite angle, you can go run and go to largemouth confidently, yeah, oh yeah. not as like I'm punting. No, this is like I'm just calling an audible, sure. not punting on, on second down. I think that, that logic is is spot on, especially with like you were saying with the uh, um, the layup. I mean, if, if Derek were to look back and see what Brock Mosley and some of these guys were able to do with largemouth, you know, in hindsight – 
I don't know, you know, where his mindset would be at, but at the same point, you probably look back and be like, dang, I literally could have stayed in the top, you know, 30, probably 30 or so, even just going and fishing the bank and fishing largemouth. Well, like you said, here on Champlain, it's not, it's not a layup. Like you said, you could go, you know, fish for largemouth and end up doing extraordinarily better than you were doing smallmouth fishing. And never, and never fish for yeah, smallmouth again. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I feel like, um, all things combined, I think that, that logic is spot on. And I think that, uh, you know, it's very, very possible for him to bounce back this week and end the New York swing on a good note. And you got to remember that when Brock Mosley weighed in 24 pounds on day one, he was holding a six-pound smallmouth. Yeah, so small you mouth. 100%, when he holds up a smallmouth and a largemouth, you can 100% think, oh, he caught five smallmouth and then went and caught a largemouth and, and held it up. Sure. Whereas he was catching all largemouth and yeah, then caught – the, it was the other way around. Yeah. yeah, so when you're like, man – even those guys who had some largemouth, they had smallmouth too. I need to stay with smallmouth. So you never know. He might not even know that Brock Mosley was fishing for You don't know. Yeah, but, yeah, but when you see weigh-in photos or you see somebody post something, you're like, dang, he caught a largemouth today. You might think when you're at the St. Lawrence, oh, man, he went for smallmouth and caught a bonus largemouth. Whereas if you saw a smallmouth at Lake Okeechobee, he's not targeting smallmouth. He randomly caught a smallmouth sure. even though there's no smallmouth there. It's, it's a place where it's like you go to Pickwick and you catch all largemouth and a smallmouth that's probably your bonus fish, not your primary game plan. So we've seen that. Uh, we've seen Champlain a couple different times uh, in the past and a couple different scenarios, and I think that this year will be very similar to 2016, but a little different uh, because hopefully it goes all four days. And also um, I think we could see more largemouth. I don't think we saw a ton of largemouth. We saw a ton of Missaquoi largemouth, but no one making that run. When a day one of an event gets canceled because of wind, that may that may push your plan of running far off because you're like, well, what if it blows yeah. a little less, but we decide to go and it's still blowing though. So I think that, that it's going to be a little different that if they can run down there and make that run, there'll be more people who try to do that. And so we will see how that plays out though. Any last thoughts, Kyle, with your team? You you happy? Wow. What's the, what do you think for four days? What's the weight do you think it's going to take? I mean – Net notoriously for the opens, it's always been fifty-five to sixty. You know, almost twenty pounds a day to win that event on on the opens for four days uh, of the elites. You know, I don't know. I got a feeling that an eighty-three to eighty-five pounds could win it. Eighty-three to eighty-five, so a little bit more than twenty, because I think somebody could go catch that big large mouth or catch a big bag of large mouth that gets them all ahead of the game, and they can. Fill it with the rest of the week with smallmouth or I, something. I went a little less than that. I went 80, 80 pounds, 8 ounces. There's no – I mean, as far as picking ounces, it's pretty much the throw. Yeah, it's, it's – um, you're, just, you're just trying to be spot on. I mean, that's 20 pounds a day, obviously. Um, I, I'm like Ronnie. I don't, I don't necessarily see it – somebody catching – 19 and a half to 20 and a half per day. I think that there's a possibility that somebody could, you know, bust up, uh, you know, mid twenties or, you know, somewhere between 20 and 25 one day and then back it up with a 18, 19 or, you know, it obviously won't probably work out 20 a day on the, on the dot. But I think, uh, I think at the end of four days, that's probably about the average it, it would take. Um, I hope it's more. <laughs> I almost always say low just because I hope it's more. I just, I, 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 uh, in the past, I've I've had a bad tendency of overshooting the weights, thinking they're going to be way higher. So I typically go a little lower now. I was almost spot on last week, Kyle. I wanted to be 100 pounds so bad, and I said 98, and it was 97.5 or something. I was like, ah, oh, we're so close. 
But uh, we will get there one day, century mark for smallmouth. I talked about that. If you're not, if you didn't catch it, the last episode of the podcast, my afterthoughts of the St. Lawrence, I kind of talked about the weights of St. Clair, Malax, St. Lawrence, how they all compared and, and whatnot. It was kind of an interesting uh, approach to that statistically. But great event last week. Looking forward to a great event this week. Set your fantasy fishing lineups. Go to BassmasterFantasy.com. Do it. It's free. You can win prizes each week. You can win an overall prize if you're still doing well in those standings. I'm sitting there, man, and Kyle, I was so jacked up. I was at 96%, and I jumped up to 98.8%. I was up there, boy. And then I came back to earth after two of my guys missed the top 10, and they dropped in the mid-20s, and I got 95.1%. So I'm still sitting in the top 5 percentile, uh, but not good enough. Not good enough for the fantasy fishing commissioner. I need to do better than that. But 95%, hey, I was able to put a couple people in their place last night. They were like, don't trust Ronnie's picks at all. And I was like, drop your rank, bro. And he's like, 92%. I'm like, yeah, that's right, 95%. So where are you sitting at, Kyle? I want to see Not your good. rank. I want to see that Not rank. Good. Today, uh, I'm at, I don't, I don't want to, even, I don't want to say it. it's in the mid 80s. <laughs> mid 80s? That might be the bottom 80s. <laughs> but uh, I, I don't know. This year has been bad for me. I, I, it's like I'll have. Two or three really good picks, but my bad picks are bad, bad picks. <laughs> they end up being really bad. Did you pick John Cruz at the St. Lawrence River? I did not. No. I did not. John Cruz um, only had five pounds on day one, and we were like, what is happening? What happened? And then Caleb Summerall <laughs> ran out of gas on day two and had zero, and I was like, oh, my gosh. So, I don't know. Last year, I was I was really solid. The year before that, I was really solid. I've been I've, – I've always hovered around 94 to 90, you know, upper 90s. Uh, this year, like I said, I've had some real bad picks. Looking to turn it around. Um, it, like I said, it's it's a humbling year because up to this point, every year that I've played fantasy fishing, I've not been this bad. But uh, hopefully we turn it around this week and the rest of the season. Uh, you know, you guys can start, you know, trusting my picks a little bit. Uh, you know, for what it's worth, I, I wish Ronnie wouldn't have thrown me out because now everybody's like, I don't even care who he picked. I'm well, not listening to this <laughs> well, guy. Well, if someone's listening 45 minutes in, then they're already yeah, invested heavily. That's no, true. But we'll have to do like a hindsight thing real quick. When we see how the fantasy team sets out Sunday evening, we'll have to do it before you leave yeah. and see how our picks do after each event. But there it is. Um, you know, I, I think that when you start working at Bassmaster, you lose 2 or 3% minimum on your fantasy picks. If you were at 98%, no longer going to be that high because you know all the anglers and you convince yourself, all yeah, these guys are so true. good, they know how to fish for smallmouth and largemouth, and then you're trying to guess on what they're doing. They don't even know what they're doing. They're just trying to they're trying to formulate a game plan too. So it's going to be good. Champlain's going to be great. Watch on ESPN2, Bassmaster.com, and uh, we're going to put on a show. The anglers are going to do great in catching them, and somebody's going to win another blue trophy and $100,000 this week. So thanks for listening to the episode of the podcast. We'll be back um, with some more stuff coming up shortly.